Well, they say never short a dull market, and we're definitely seeing signs of lower volatility across asset classes at the moment. But we, as traders, we adapt, and we look at the strategies that work in this market environment. And that's what Blake and I do. We look at the strategies that are generating alpha in this environment, plus we look at the movers and shakers and the trades we like across FX, indices, and commodities. So let's get to it. This is The Trade-Off. Well, hi traders, I'm Chris Weston, Head of Research here at Pepperstone, and I'm gonna be joined in two seconds by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. Blake, I've been away for a couple of weeks. My man Quasar stepped up, did a fantastic job. You guys did a really good uh, overview of markets, trades you liked, fantastic, well played to you both. I'm back, great to be back, how have you been? Great, we missed you. I, I mean, I'm gonna be the first one to, to say I that you guys. we missed you. <laughs> nice to have you back, Chris. Miss your energy and miss your ideas, and I miss talking rates with you too. Well, I think part of the reason we've got such low vol at the moment is because we've got this kind of extended pause being priced into rates. So they're definitely a function of that. So we can definitely touch on that today. But there's a lot to talk about. You know, everyone's factor focused on this, this low volatility environment, the VIX below 17%, all these factors at the moment. But there's still a lot to talk about. So I think without further ado, let's go straight into Let's go to Topical Thunder. Right, I want to talk strategy. We, we, we don't talk enough about strategy in the show. Um, and we can. it's a nice segue into the next section, which of course is volatility, as you see there on the right-hand side. But right now, you know, as I said, you know, obviously if you're talking scalping, you're talking like really, really short-termism, you know, we still do the same thing, but we're, we're looking at moves on a much more micro basis. But if we're taking big picture stance, looking at sort of longer-term time, fr time frames, you know, four-hour daily charts, for example, you know, we have to adapt our strategy to yeah, the market environment we're trading in, whether it's trending environments, whether it's yeah, choppy, mean reverting markets, low volatility. Yeah. It's not just about the, the strategies where we're trading momentum strategies, trend following, as I say, but it's also the time frame and duration in the market, but also your position sizing that we have to account for for volatility. Um, and right now, the way that I'm seeing this, Blake, is that mean reverting strategies are working brilliantly, right? And I think part of that is down to the options dealers. Everyone's trading these, these zero data expiry options. And what you tend to see is the, the market makers um, are yeah, effectively long calls at the moment. So when, when with the S&P rallies, we tend to see them selling the futures uh, when their, their delta moves up. And then the opposite is true, as we saw last night, when the market fell, uh, effectively, you know, their, their delta position has a, has a change and then they have to go and buy, buy futures. And you see that mean reversion, which is why we're seeing, I think, uh, we're seeing these low close to close percentage changes playing through. So mean reverting, certainly in indices, is working brilliantly at the moment. We're seeing it across FX. So from, from a strategy perspective, that's the way I'm seeing things. Um, position sizing, obviously taking taking the position sizing up. We're taking trying of a, 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 you know, a narrower stop effectively, essentially, in that situation. That's what I'm looking at. What are you seeing? Well, uh, first of all, I think it's great that we're going to be talking a lot about these topics here in the next few topics about the market and 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 this low volatility environment. My strategy might be different than yours, Chris, and I think uh, traders like you are really good for rever for mean reversion. For me, <laughs> what for I contrarianism, do <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> it's, it is a traderism, is it right? Um, but what I love to do is I look, I love to see correlations and divergences of correlations. So, for example. If you have two asset classes that tend to move together, when the stock market is moving higher, but then one, one asset is not, that divergence clues me in that when we do get 
some sort of reversal or we get a jolt of volatility, which I expect to happen soon. Uh, when that happens, the the whatever instrument you were following that wasn't quite following risk is the one that usually gets hit first. So those I start putting things on my radar. I have a list full of, of assets that I'm trading. One of them was actually on the show last week on the Euro Aussie. Um, we'll be talking about a few of those this week. But that's how I... I think you make prepare. a good point, though, because the, the, the yeah. correlation, when, when volatility rises, you see correlations across asset class picking up, everything goes to one, and, and you get those correlations breaking down in these low volume time. And the interesting one for me as well is, I'll just quickly go before we go into the actual subject of vol, uh, is carry you know to, this is the perfect environment for carry structures getting paid to be in a position you know the carry effectively just means income so you're buying those high yielding currencies so you're seeing low volatility somewhat positively grinding equity markets um rates vols come down a bit there you know, and you're seeing you know, fairly flat root yield curves this is this is the bread and butter for carry trades right now in effect so you know would you be fighting that carry or do you, you know how do you play that well, yeah, I'm I'm gonna talk about one of them a little bit later here in the show. I, I yeah, I, can I leave it at that, Chris? Can we just leave it at that? Yeah, let's leave it. But carries a, <laughs> carries a good trade trading. Yeah, you know, in carry income in markets in in this kind of environment is is, is pretty good. So that's 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 another strategy we can look at. Hundred percent agree with that, especially if you're if you if you're just gonna ride through a you know a, on a Wednesday evening, which it just was just or it is here where I live Thursday morning for you. Uh, we we get paid extra interest on that rollover period, yeah, so that's uh, that's kind of nice on those carries. Um, but I want to talk about volatility because it is a key subject of the market, and you're exactly right, Chris. You've been gone, you came back, and everybody's talking about it. Low volatility environment, <laughs> yeah, so low vol, yeah, low low vol, VIX breaking down, and I, and I have to I have to remind everybody. We have been in a year, year and a half of a high volatility period in the markets. To have a couple of days or maybe a week of low volatility, I know we're all spoiled, myself included. And so I feel a little upset that we're in a low vol environment. But I guess the question I was going to ask you is, what do you think it is that's going to break us out of this malaise? I mean, is it raise, Is it rates and, and, and expectations have to start shifting? Or you know, is it some economic data that might shift? I mean, if you think about next week, there's not a lot of data that I'm looking at next week, but the following week is the FOMC and then the US jobs report. And I'm not to say that I think next week you have Australian CPI, if I'm not mistaken, well, correct. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. You're right. But 28. yeah, I, th I thought I thought I saw it there <laughs> on the calendar. But when you're talking about like, you know, news that will move an entire market, you know, I'm thinking FOMC. Uh, do we have to wait another two weeks, Chris, I'm, I'm, to I'm not really buying it. get... I'm not buying that. I'm not buying the You're FOMC not? as a okay. vol event. No. I'll I tell you what, though. Let, let's go through the reasons we're in, in, in low vol. I think it's probably a good place to start. First of all, everyone looks at the VIX, but few people are trading those those expiries, right? You know, the VIX is a calculation of of of... of of expiries that come out in 23 days to 37 days, right? Everyone's trading these zero DTE options right now. ZTE, so the volume's yeah. in those now, which is why you're seeing those short-term intraday moves because the market makers are having to hedge their deltas effectively, of course, that. So that's one factor. The second thing is, is that, you know, vol targeting funds, you know, they're, they're adding more length into the market. CTAs are long. So weakness in, in volatility begets weakness. And if you have a look at the VIX curve at the moment, it's in such steep backwardation funds are paid. To, this is another form of carry, right? When you when you when you roll down the VIX the, the futures curve, effectively 
you know, from month to month, you're incentivized to be, uh, you know, to be short volatility in that sure, situation. Right. Yeah. The Fed's balance sheet, you go and have a look at reserves. They're up 11% since March. The TGA has been drawn down. It's going to come up a little bit in the short term. That could be a volatility event in itself as tax receipts come in. Um, we can talk about debt ceiling. Um, but I think also if you have a look at the rates, vols come down, uh, and that's largely as a factor that, yeah, we're going to get a 25 basis point hike from the Fed um, or the, the, the next FOMC meeting. But then we've got an extended pause being priced in, as we have for a lot of G10 markets, ex, you know, ECB and, and to an extent the UK. The market is saying an extended pause means lower volatility. And so I think there's a lot of factors that play into that, you know, liquidity being a hard one. I actually think the big one's going to be the debt ceiling, to be honest, which we can talk about. But I think from a from a data point of view, we need to see a trend in the data flow. So further, further strength in CPI, um, yeah, further strength in labour markets, deterioration in growth. I, I don't think one swallow is going to make a summer there. So I think that's part of the reason we're seeing low vol is that the market's saying until we, until central banks are shocked to, to start a rate hiking cycle again or ease, uh, we've got a lot of data to, to, to get us to that point, which is part, for me, what part of the reason we've got such low vol there. All right. Well, there you go. There we go. So I think generally <laughs> with volatility, you know, low volatility begets lower volatility. You know, people are paid to be to be short vol in this environment. So I'd love personally to see <clears throat> higher volatility, um, like, you know, like the, the next trader. But, um, you know, when it comes, I don't know, the market will tell you when they're going to come. If we knew what it was, then, yeah, it would, we'd be trading it, right? But I think, yeah, let's talk about the debt ceiling because it's one of those things that everyone talks about and says, oh, bloody hell, we're back at the debt ceiling again. It's political brinksmanship that's coming through. Um, but i tell you why, for, I, I think it matters globally. Look, I, I think everyone... Every single person out there believes that we're not going to get the US missing a, a payment of its debt. That's not going to happen. The, the US are not going to default. Uh, oh, apart from Blake. <laughs> uh, but, like, you know, it could happen. If, if it did happen, I, I just think it's a very, very low probability. What we could see, though, is, is getting to a point once we get past the X date when they run out of money where they, they have to cut back on certain government initiatives and that will impact growth negatively and at a time uh, as we go into August, probably when when growth is is already falling because of credit crunch, so that's why I think it matters. I think there's there, there's definitely um, at the the fur, closer we get to that X date when they run out of capital, there could be a really big hit to GDP um, as a result of that situation. The other factor for me, Blake, is actually when when the debt ceiling is resolved, and it will be resolved at some stage, um, in my opinion, and most people's opinion. And actually, the perverse situation is that is that's when it could become a negative event for the market. Because what would happen is, is let's say they raise the debt ceiling by you know, one and a half trillion dollars, is that the Treasury Department will then issue a trillion dollars worth of short-term paper. The private sector will be asked to buy that. That is going to be QT on steroids. So effectively, you're sucking capital out of the private sector. Um, and that liquidity withdrawal, as the TGA builds, uh, I think will be uh, a known unknown for markets. But liquidity coming out of the market in that capacity at a time when the US is going into recession, probably, and at a time when the ECB balance sheet is contracting, Liquidity is the oxygen in the market's lungs. That, to me, is going to be a massive or a potentially massive negative event for markets. What are you seeing? Yeah, that's a way to way to frame it. Actually, it's great. And I know what you're trying to do. You know, you're trying to get me to be political. Well, you know what? <laughs> oh, no, mate. The Republicans put a program on the table. Will it see the light of day? Like yesterday, one and a half trillion dollars. Um, uh, the, the, the House Speaker put up there. Are we going to see it happen? I hate Democrats. There, I said it. And I hate Republicans, too. So yeah. just 
<laughs> no, you want to get me political? You know, that's uh, that's all I'm going to do. But um, you know, the the thing is, yeah, they put out a they put out a 1.5 trillion dollar um, you know, possible limit over the course of a year. It's supposed to cut down 4.5 trillion in, in 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 debt. There's all these like stipulations, like getting rid of the IRS money that was going to be put towards the IRS, the uh, the student loans. Uh, I, f- I forget what else the the limit, like discretionary spending. But the the thing is, we don't even know if if the Republicans and the GOP have the votes to even. I think they need to. It. Four people need to vote against it for it to fail. I mean, to be honest, I think it's not going to see the light of day. It's the first no. package that's been put through, and there'll be a series of other ones. I think we get very, very close. Like in 2011, I think we're going to get very close to the X date. We don't know what the X date is at the moment. We're going to find out as the, as these tax receipts come in over the next week or so when the postal ones come in. And then the analysts will come out and say, look, this is going to be the, the, the date that we need to work to. And I think as we get closer to that point, Mark, yeah, the bill markets are already showing signs of stress. We saw a, a a four-month bill auction last night, which was the highest yield that they've they've had there on record. So the bill market is showing stress. I don't think we're going to see broad markets worry too much about this until we get like a week out, and then they may look over the cliff edge. But for me, as I say, I, I think the real issue is actually what happens after where we see a resolution. Um, yeah. And that's when we sort of could see the, the ability to, to issue all this debt in the private sector saying we're going to have to sell assets or use capital elsewhere, and that's going to suck the life out of the market. You know, one one last thing I wanted to mention, just so everybody is clear, we don't know what the date is. As no, Chris said, that's you know, you're taking in the yeah, you, the the ex, it could be like sometime in June. So if you think you're going to go on holiday, good luck. Uh, the summer. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be August, mate. To be honest, but that's what I'm seeing with the tax receipts being. They're, they're actually slightly higher the last couple of days than expected. So yeah, we're getting into sort of more August period. I think. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see, and it, it it's going to make for some volatility. Bottom line is you've got a very contentious U.S. government. No side wants to debate this, and they are not willing to concede. So that's that's the issue, right? And going up to it, there's going to be more volatility, obviously. And and I love the point you bring about once we uh, we we resolve it because it will get resolved. I, I I do believe that, Chris. So let's go ahead and move along to your next topic. Great one, though, by the way. Thanks, man. Was oh, it my turn? <laughs> <laughs> this is <laughs> time out just kidding just kidding yeah, one, for the, right. one for the blinker let's reel. talk let's talk about the markets let's talk about let's talk about what's happening in stocks and and you know uh i used to be a skateboarder back in the 1980s and there was a saying skate or die and 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 right now it's like rally or die the stock market just continues to rally low volatility environment we're plowing higher chris my question to you is do you get long risk at these levels, knowing you're right at right around that 4190, 4200 level, other resistance? I mean, if we stop here, right here, where we stop today, we make a lower high. And that's not a bullish sign for the market technically. Or do you just, you know, close your eyes, plug your nose and hope for the best, put a cross on your chest, whatever you want to do and get long equities? What do you think is the play here when you're talking about the stock market? I mean, we're, do, do, you, do, you, do you get long into this risk rally or do you wait to fade it? What well, are your thoughts I, here? I can't close my eyes because I fall asleep. My daughter is awake all night, so they're keeping me, keeping me up. So I'm not going to close my eyes, but I can pretend to. Um, look, I mean, ultimately, I think, yeah, this, the, the, the strategy at the moment, 
is take your time frame down, trade intraday, and, and just sell strength and buy weakness. And, and, and that's what I'm doing as a as a short-term trader because that's what's working at the moment. Um, and if you look at the intraday ranges at the moment in the S&P futures, for example, I think the last five days, uh, sorry, the, 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 the average range is something like 39 handles. The average over the last 12, year, 12 months is about 82. So we're trading about half the range to work with. So you can effectively you know, trade with a tighter stop, take your position size out, because you know position sizing is, is 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 subject to to the volatility, and of course you may even want to trade with slightly higher leverage ratios. And leverage again is dynamic to the volatility in the market. And um, but that's what I'm doing right now. So I'm I'm just I'm I'm selling and and trading trading like this sideways pattern that we're seeing. It's difficult to to, to make too much. I mean the bit that we're going to see the the Nasdaq really fire up over the next couple of weeks because there's yeah we've got the big week with with, with the, the mammoth stocks Apple, um you know the the IBM to this Apple and Microsoft and all those kind of big big players coming through in one week. Sure. So I think earnings are going to matter a little bit more given that the tier one data is is is, is pretty lightweight uh, for the next week or so. Um, it's difficult to say. I, yeah, we we, we want to we want to know what's going to jolt this market into life. I think yeah. So as I say, tra- happy to trade the sideways move, mean reverting, slightly bigger position size relative to what I'd usually do. Um, but I think a breakout of these January highs, um, then I think we might start looking for more m- m- momentum. Those ranges might start expansion. I, I mean, I just don't know. But that that's what I suspect would happen if we see a close above the January highs. Um, then I think we could see range expansion playing through. What do you think about that? What do you what do you think about? Well, I I, I think that will play out at some point. Um, you know, I'm always looking for wherever the downside support is on the spoons. The S and P is 41.25 for me. It's like every time we dip down to just you know, it's a channel support. We bounce right off it. So I know where I, I know where you need to be long. You need to be long off of that support as it as it's in it's increasing as the days go on because it's an ascending uh, channel, if you will. But the one thing I wanted to to bring up really quick, Chris. Is and I wanted to ask you your 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 quick thoughts. Bank earnings is it anything more or less than you expected? I mean, I expected the bigger banks to be fine um, personally, but did it surprise you at all? Is there any anything that jumps oh, yeah. out at you with earnings this far? I haven't gone through the bank earnings in the micro. I've just let the price action tell me what's happened. I mean, have a look at the KRE right now. The regional bank index it started outperforming. They're seeing some really good buyers. The banks on 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 the XLF, the, the bigger banks are outperforming the rest of the market at the moment. Just have a look at an XLF SPY ratio. The banks are find, yeah. finding form. Maybe it's a little bit of short covering playing through. Um, but that's telling me what I need to know at the moment. I don't think it's as easy as saying the banks are solved, get involved, uh, but we are seeing a much better price action and people are covering a lot of those short positions playing through. So, yeah, I think the market's telling you that that it's certainly less less bad than feared. Anyway. Good. Okay. Let's go, to, right. uh, let's go to the setup. Let's have a look at some of the charts catching our eyes. All right. Well, we just talked about the uh, the stocks. I want to bring up a chart of the US 500, the S and P 500, and it just kept, yeah puts in place case in point. So what I've got there, Blake, is, is on the bottom one. I've got the Bollinger Band width, and so it talks really about sort of realised volatility. So we're using that 20 day moving average, and we're doing two standard deviations <clears throat> either side of that. I haven't actually got the Bollinger Band on there, but I just wanted to show that the the whip that we're seeing, we are seeing those bands contract. We haven't got to the point where it's really, really. Um, you know, compressed. That's typically the point when we are looking for those breakout strategies. So if we get, you know, down into those those recent rose range lows, which we're not too far off at the moment, what I tend to see then is those Bollinger brand breakout strategies work quite well and you need those bandwidth to really come down. So that's something that we are seeing there. Have a look at the middle one. We've got the average daily range, slightly different from the average tree range, similar sort of concept. But you can see there the the red line which is the um 
the five day uh, moving average, just to show you the sort of trading ranges that we have to deal with, right? You know, we don't deal on a close to close basis. We deal in the absolute range on any kind of day. And that, that's falling away, just showing another form of kind of volatility. But what we're seeing there is, is, is this horizontal resistance level you can see around sort of 4150-ish uh, in the cash market there. I mean, that's about 4200 in the futures. Um, it's just banging on that door and it wants to break through, doesn't it? But it, it just can't do it at the moment. So it just needs something. Maybe it's going to come from earnings. Maybe it's going to come from the balance sheet. Who knows? But uh, how are you seeing this one? It feels like you want to buy the breakout. I, I do want to buy the breakout. I think if you buy the breakout, you're going to get a short squeeze and you're just going to force the market, the hand of the market to continue higher. And I know, again, the risk is 41.25 in my view. I, I, you don't have it drawn there, but it's really following methodically an ascending trend line or channel. You can use just the bottom uh, end of the channel being a, a trend line. It's been moving higher over the last month or so, and it's been following it religiously. Now, the problem that I am seeing at the moment is that there are everybody's been very well aware of the pain trade which has been higher that's where the pain's been at but now that we're up at these levels it's not so easy it was easy when it was at you know 40 40 50 or 4100 in the well, cta cta is a max long right i know that everyone's talking about the cftc report and showing this huge short position but the the, the flow desks are all reporting that the trend following yeah managed future ctas are all max long now wow I, that i did not know and that's uh that's a good piece of information. So, you know, I think you got to be a little leery here, Chris, but I, I love the setup. And I think the setup is going to yield a big move up or down. But if it did, if I had to chase it higher, I wouldn't chase it higher for very long. I'd sell into strength, kind of a scalp in and out intraday type of thing. I think that yeah. feels right. You can't be too... You, oh. Yeah, trend followers this year have had a bad, have had a brilliant year last year, best on record. But this year, you know, your CTAs and your trend followers have had a, had a bit of a tough time. So this is a choppy market. You can't hold on to those positions for too long, unfortunately. Well, you know, speaking of choppy position, but one that's fallen an upside trend. Let's talk about gold. Um, gold. You know, we we've talked a lot about it, Chris, on this show. I haven't uh, talked. Well, I think Quasar brought it up last week. And he was looking around 1980 or so, but I'm, I'm actually looking a little bit lower at 1950. That's a big breakout point, but we're also in an ascending channel. Again, just like the S&P, we're holding these levels, but we're getting really close to those all-time highs. And, and actually, if you connect the highs, it comes in a little, little slightly, uh, it's not perfectly horizontal, so it comes in around 2070. So, you know, I think as long as we're above 1950, we know that that's where the risk is. As long as we stay above that 1950 level, you continue to you know play on the long side for maybe a possible breakout. I have to admit, the buying has been insatiable uh, here for gold, and it's really been just kind of relentless. The one other risk I see to gold, to the more upside in gold, is the dollar is trying to form a low right around the previous 2023 lows. So. Uh, if unless you know unless the dollar really starts to break down, I think that would be my cue that gold is really breaking out. But how are you seeing gold right here, Chris? Fundamentally, um, I mean, I think it, I agree. I think you know it's held up really well despite the fact that we're now you know fully expecting a rate hike from the Fed at the next meeting. We we, we started pricing a little bit more for the June meeting. John Williams is. Um, 
uh, one of the sorry, it was not John Williams. One of the uh, Christopher Waller said, "Yeah, that, that he's open to it. Yeah, June is on the table uh, should the situation arise." And and yeah, obviously those factors are negative. What gold does really well is it's a hedge for me. It's not a hedge against inflation that everyone expects. It's a hedge against the symptoms of inflation, which is tighter policy leading into a recession. So for me, it's a hedge against recession driven by inflation, and that's still very much in there. But we need to see the data, the growth aspects, the soft data points, the surveys breaking down and and, and really solidifying that. And you're going to see what then is a steeper yield curve. So the front end is going to move lower. I think that's going, to, that's going to be where the gold market pushes, finds a new leg higher, but we're not there yet. I think that the dollar, you make a good point on the dollar, and that's been really influential, obviously, on the gold price. That's broken the recent downtrend, um, and now it's consolidating. So we're just going to then that hiatus pattern. And I think, yeah, the dollar moves in itself is the fact that we've seen a weaker dollar has been part of the reason we've seen lower volatility broadly. I think the dollar's really key there. So I'm, I'm, I don't really have any strong view on gold at the moment. Um, I, I think the data needs to break down on the growth side to, to really sort of cause another leg higher, and that's going to bring front-end yields lower. So for me, gold, central banks, rates, everyone's data dependent now. If you're long gold, you want to see a break of those all-time highs at 2075. You need to see those growth data points breaking down to accelerate the view of a recession. So, yeah, we'll be looking at that very closely. So I wouldn't be surprised if we just saw some some chop for, for a period of time there. Um, anyway, that's, that's that's my two cents. Let's go to um, to, to Swiss yen. I brought this up because, yeah, the, the yen crosses have been working working really well. I mean, the yen's been weak because Oeda, the new Bank of, Bank of Japan governor, has really just affirmed, reaffirmed his idea that, um, yeah, the current YCC policy and current policy is, is 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 the right mix now for the economy. We're looking at the next Bank of Japan meeting on the 28th of April. Nothing's really expected there, but we're going to June, and that's where we could see some tweaks. So, you know, you're still seeing that policy divergence, and the yen's been weakening off as a result of that. But look at this Swiss yen chart, Blake, because I brought this up because well, dollar yen looks pretty good, and and you know, Nokia, uh, sorry, sterling yen looks pretty good at the moment. We're coming into this big level of supply that we've been seeing, and we've seen this sort of stretch nature of of, of consistent high highs. So is this a level that you would be looking at a scalp on the short side just to take a little bit there? Maybe this is a level to fade into or do you just stand aside and just wait for this to break out? Well, first of all, that's a great chart. And one thing I always remember from one of my mentors years ago told me like 20 years ago, instruments, whether it's a currency pair, stocks, whatever it is, whatever instrument you're trading always looks strongest right at resistance. And this is a great example of it looking really strong in a resistance. And it's a hard call. You make a great point about Ueda. And, you know, we talked a little bit about him the last couple of weeks that you've been gone. And it's interesting, his words, because if you go back and read some of the some of the stuff he's done in 2017 or 16, he was so critical of the BOJ and what they were doing. So it's really interesting to see his his attitude form as he's at the helm of the BOJ. Anyway, um, that has allowed for some yen weakness. But the flip side to this is if we, you know, if if we really start to see the the uh, the, the the debt ceiling debate become really heated, and we really start to see that become risk, I I think that the market might turn. To the yen for eventual strength and and a, and a risk off hedge. So if I was playing this the long side, it'd be very, with very very tight stops, and I wouldn't wouldn't let it get away from me, right? Since I like the, I, I like I like the Swiss franc from. If we were to see low growth, the Swiss is always done does well there. But you've got some cyclicality in this because, yeah, we don't. The next Swiss central bank, the S and B meeting is not until late June. 
Uh, so we've got a bit of water to pass under the bridge. We're already pricing 36 basis points of tights there. So you're getting that sort of rate differential playing through in, in the Swissy here. Uh, it still has some safe haven quality. So it's a bit of a magical currency in that regard there. But you're right there. I mean, where do you go in times of ultimate stress? And it's going to be uh, if the debt ceiling became a, a proper vol event. Um, then yeah, I think the Japanese yen is going to be the play of the day there. But uh, yeah, I think this is a really interesting setup. Viewers, let us know how you think about this one. Are you going to be shorting into this one? Are you waiting for the break? Are you scalping it? What are you going to be doing? Interested to hear your thoughts on that one. Yeah, it's a great setup, Chris. And I'm going to bring you my last setup is the dollar Mex. And this is a good old fashioned Mexican standoff, just like the ones in the old Westerns that you would see. You know, uh, Quasar did bring up the dollar Mex, I think last week or the week before. And, and I want to, I want to, talk about it again because we're at such a key inflection point from a technical level and remember earlier in the show chris when i said you know what gets on my radar are assets that are not moving with risk and this is a carry trade the dollar mexican peso where mexican pesos are usually bought over dollars and and you can see we're driven right down to support makes sense is stocks rally low vol environment people sell dollar mex they they they, they try to uh, capture that carry the thing is, is we haven't broken down yet. But when you were talking about the S&P right up around that 4,200 level, and if that S&P does break out, one of the trades that I think you could trade is this dollar max down to channel support. You see that channel's been, it, it's 161% FIB, golden FIB level extension. That's why we're supported there. But the channel's been in existence since November of 2021. So we could go challenge the bottom end of that channel around 1750, but also, if stocks actually roll over, we could see a reversal. So, Chris, what are your thoughts about the dollar max and the Mexican standoff that we've got here? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. I, I, as a sort of momentum trader, I'd, I'd probably want to see this breaking down through those through that double bottom and, and, and just ride it through there for, for a move down into the bottom of the channel. But we're just sort of trading it at those levels, and it's kind of wait and see. Show me, Chris. Show me. Show me the move, and uh, and and I'll and I'll react to it. Um, it's aggressive to trade that right now, um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see it. You know, when you if, if you were to draw a regression channel from those highs, and you see the line of best fit, you do see. And if you use that, was it's not really a, a, a statistical mean by any means. But what you tend to see is, you know, the the market sort of gravitating uh, up to that line of best fit. So I wouldn't be surprised if we were to see a bit of mean reversion playing through and a bit of upside playing through. Um, but of course, that's going to mean we're going to need to see higher front end yields in the US. We're going to need to see higher um, uh, you know, real rates as well. And then the US dollar is going to have a bit of a rally in that situation. To get a really strong wriggle on in this pair, you're going to need to see a risk event and, and the VIX pushing up and, 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 and the dollar being bought on a safe haven demand, which isn't happening at the moment. So it's difficult to justify extreme upside in this pair. Uh, my preference there is to, is to wait for this to break down and react and, and, and then go. So reacting, no position. I think it's aggressive to trade that one right now from a daily position. Anyway, let's go to play of the day. Let's see what, 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 uh, what are our, our, our top picks here. Uh, I'm going to go for Sterling Aussie. That's uh, my, my focus there. So if I can bring up the chart, why do I like this one? Well, we've just seen uh, obviously the the average hourly earnings in the in the UK. The earnings numbers were, were very 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 strong indeed. Um, we've seen the CPI numbers far hotter than what we were expecting there. And I think yeah, whilst you could say that 
the 29 basis points of, of hikes that are priced into the UK curve for the 11th of May for the next Bank of England meeting is probably four basis points too rich. They're not going to raise by 50 basis points. They're clearly going to raise by 25. Uh, and that could be a sterling negative. Effectively, if you go to terminal rates pricing, that's moved up to about 4.95 in the UK. But what's if you look at the lower chart of Rather than looking at rates pricing and rates differential, I've looked at the the two year UK gilt relative to the to the Aussie two year gilt, and you can see that has been consolidating with a small upside bias. I think if we break through that horizontal level, um, that's going to show that the pound is that policy and, and, and expectations of policy in the UK are moving up relative to Australia. I think that's going to be the catalyst there for a move higher, and I think that's going to happen. So I like I like being long uh, sterling against the Aussie. I think yeah, just a tight stop below below that horizontal support level. I think they're the, the 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 risk on that position is sort of in, in fitting with the the sort of average daily range. So we're sort of trading a stop loss, which is in fitting with the range. Um, but I, yeah, you know your risk on that situation. I, I think this one has got 188 written all over it, and I think that's going to be driven by by rate differentials playing through. I'm sure a lot of people disagree with me, but I like sterling Aussie uh, higher, and I'll be cutting out. Should we should we trade below those recent lows there? Well, I did. You know, does uh, d- does. Uh... You know, Mr. Brown and Mr. Littlestone know that you're an Andrew Bailey fan. I don't think they really know I'm that. Not, I'm not an Andrew. No. I wouldn't say I'm a fan of, of any central banker, to be honest. And uh, I can imagine Michael would uh, would take his uh, his bowler hat off and his, kick his umbrella up and put his hand against the wall and have a big sigh uh, at just the mere thought of uh, taking a long position in the sterling. All right. Well, my my play of the day is going to be the Euro Kiwi. And, and you can see it. it's actually moved since I took the picture of this chart. I, I'm actually talking my book. I'm long. Yeah, it's moved up, you know, probably 60 or 70 pips. But, you know, when you're dealing with a, a, a pair like this that has really wild swings as far as an ATR goes, you know, 40, 50, 80 pips, it really, I don't really bat an eye at it. I'm actually long both the, the Euro Aussie from last week from one of our setups. And then also this week, the Euro Kiwi. I'm long both of them. I like the Euro over both of these. But that uh, weak inflation data that just came out of New Zealand has shot us up higher. Now, we there's a long-term 50% retracement that we need to pay attention to that we're sitting on. And that would be the highs post-COVID lockdown highs. So I believe that's the highs of 2020 uh, all the way down to the lows in 2022. We're at to 50% retracement, but we're holding this breakout, Chris. And while we're above 175.50, I want to continue to be long. Every dip down there finds buyers. Every dip down there finds my bid. So I'm going to continue to stay long. And this is one of those pairs that has been on my radar because if we do get the market, the the overall risk turning the other direction, pairs like the Euro Aussie, Euro New Zealand, Pound Aussie, that uh, that Sterling Aussie, that that um, you know uh, we're, that we were just talking about, that is those tend to rally in those types of environments. So, Chris, I, I love yours and I love mine. So I like I, I like Euro Aussie. I mean, it's trading at the bottom end of that channel. Um, and well, actually, kudos to you because I think since we've been speaking, we've just seen the Kiwi rates decision coming through. Uh, not rates, uh, CPI numbers come out short. So you're already in the money on that trade there. So well done. Uh, anyway, thank, thank you. you for all the viewers who've, who've stuck around for us. Give us a like. Leave a comment about how you're trading the market. It's good to be back. And we'll be back more next week for the trade-off. <laughs>